This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense gonna turn up, but the defense gonna win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome in. It is another edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. It is a hunker down Monday edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. I'm your host, Corey Burton. We've got a great show lined up. You can find the show on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, at Believe in Dogs on all three platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Stitcher. Subscribe, follow, rate. Uh, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to hear to, uh, what we do well. Always like to hear what we do well on the show. Um, and then, you know, what can we improve? How can we make this a better experience for you as a listener? Um, we have some exciting guests lined up uh, down the road. Uh, Richard Samuel is going to uh, join the show. Uh, for those of you that know Richard Samuel, he's got a very interesting story as a running back uh, kind of in the early uh, 2010s, and uh, a really highly touted running back coming out of Cartersville. Uh, he enrolled at Georgia at 16 years old, so we got him coming uh, later on in the week. We're going to record with him, so I'm excited to have Richard. I'm always excited to have uh, former guest alumni. Uh, also, uh, somewhere down the pike, we got our first edition of uh, Tailgate Thursday. With uh, I'm going to bring on... Uh, Two coaches from the uh, Georgia High School Association. One coaches basketball. The other is a football coach at North Forsyth. And uh, we're going to talk about Georgia high school football. We're going to kind of talk, you know, we're going to, I'm going to get their perspective on, obviously, on the dogs, but uh, just kind of get their perspective on what GHSA has done in this COVID era. I think that'd be an interesting episode. And really just kind of have that fan's perspective. I think that's important to uh, to not leave out that perspective. So I think that's an important show that we can have. Um, it's always good to see just that basic fan pos- uh, perspective. I've had, I've had writers on. Um, I will have had a couple of former players. I will have gotten that perspective. And it, it's kind of it's kind of nice to also bring it back and and talk to some like minded people as well. So uh, those are some of the shows we got down the pike. Um, but tonight, uh, as I record on a Sunday night, but uh, on on today's show we've got some uh, we've got a lot of topics to kind of catch up on. Um, 
the ongoing soap opera of COVID. Uh, that's something that, um, you know, there's some updates there, not much, but, um, you know, there's some updates, concerns, hope, all wrapped up into one. Uh, so that's good. Uh, phase two, we're going to kind of talk about who's standing out in the new phase two of practice where the coaches are allowed to to watch. So uh, that's exciting. We're going to kind of uh, go through some of that stuff right there. Um, also uh, going to break down the defensive line, uh, kind of tell you who's who and, and who, who can do what. Um, and um, some really good news in recruiting um, after receiving bad news uh, about James Williams committing to Miami. Uh, Georgia got a 2022 commitment from C.J. Washington. Uh, he is from Cedartown. Uh, I, I think you know uh, there's some running back that came from Cedartown. Uh, he might be playing in the NFL. I don't know. I don't know if you know him. Nick Chubb. Anyway, if you know Nick Chubb uh, and you're listening to this show, um, contact him and send him my way. Uh Believe in dogs at gmail.com. You can have him email the show. Would love to have Nick Chubb. Would love to hear all the stories that he has, not only from Georgia, but from the Cleveland Browns and, and all that stuff. That would be that would be a great episode. But I digress. Um, but we're, we're going to kind of talk about, you know, all the phase two practice stuff, just kind of the initial um, thoughts of who's standing out, you know, what what's, you know, what's it looking like? You know, the, the, the big elephant in the room is a quarterback battle. JT Daniels is eligible now um and uh i'm gonna give my two cents on it uh you know jamie newman versus jt daniels versus Dwan mathis versus Car- carson beck versus stetson bennett um whew, that was kind of exhausting but um it's gonna be a battle nonetheless but uh yeah let's 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 get into the show uh we're gonna start with the number one topic uh that i mentioned the um the covid19 um this I don't know. I, I I feel like I feel like this thing is just a never ending. I don't want to say roller coaster, um, but like a merry go round. It just kind of feels like it just keeps going, and we keep getting back to the same point. Are we gonna play? Okay, we're gonna play. All right, okay, we're not gonna play. Well, um, okay, we're gonna play now, and and so on and so forth. You know, I I just kind of feel like it's 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 one big merry go round. Right now, we're on the um, very promising. Uh, we're on the we're on the promising leg of the merry-go-round. Um, there's a testing plan. Uh, they're looking at a 72-hour turnaround on tests. Looking like it's going to test on Wednesday. I was reading this from the Athens Banner Herald. Uh, the turnaround time. You know, the big question with the turnaround time on the test is, you know, a we don't know if these tests are, are accurate. Uh, I think within Major League Baseball, we're starting to see some false positives. Uh, Soto from the uh, from the Washington Nationals, he tested positive and then tested negative a day later. Um, so we don't know the accuracy of these tests. We don't know, you know, you never know what you're getting. Um, and, and there's flaws. Uh, just like anything that's new, there's always going to be flaws. But um, is this, you know, does this leave too big of a window for someone to get infected uh, closer to game time? You know, let's say you test on a Wednesday, you test negative. Well, you got Thursday, Friday to you know, go out and, and possibly get infected. So, you know, what do you do? What, what's the solution? Do you, you know, after testing, do you put them in a bubble if they're negative, you know, or after testing before you even know what the result is, do you put them in a bubble at that point? What do you do? I mean, these are college kids. So, I mean, I would say the bubble thing is not feasible, um, but I, I guess, you know, you got to take risks. 
you know, I guess everything comes with a risk. You know, you're, you're just crossing your fingers that you hope that, that these kids don't turn positive or they don't become infected. But, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to err on the side of uh, I'm going to trust Ron Corson and his staff to kind of monitor all that to kind of make sure these guys are aware of the possibilities and make sure they're, you know, and, and make sure they're hyper aware of what's going on in their body so that they can anticipate some of this stuff. But I mean, it's all, it's all a mess. It, it's going to be an adventure. Okay. That's the key word. It's going to be an adventure. I think that's the best way to describe this season because there's going to be, there's going to be positive tests. There's going to be guys out. Uh, luckily Georgia has a lot of depth, but uh, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty also, um, which all, wraps up and all kind of blends into that um, adventure part of it so what do you do I don't know you know it's an ongoing thing and uh, you know Dr. Ron Corson's going to earn his money so um, but you know I, I think it's you know I think it's good and I think it's pointing in the right direction that we're testing and I think it's uh, I think it's starting to trend towards right now looking like we're going to have a season we're going to have a season that's going to start on time. I also read a report that um, the Chick Fil A the Chick Fil A kickoff classic uh, they're they're still looking to play that game on time. Gary Stoke and I think is the director of that um, kind of Chick Fil A bowl game deal, uh, Chick Fil A bowl game and the kickoff series and all those uh, college football uh, Chick Fil A sponsored events. Uh, somebody spoke with him. Um, I think again I, I saw this. Um, and he said that he's looking forward to starting all these games on time. Uh, Florida State plays West Virginia. Georgia plays Virginia. Um, and I think – I can't remember the other game. I really can't. Uh, I think Tennessee plays somebody. Uh, NC State maybe. I don't know. Um, but there, there's three games. Um, I think there's a Friday game, Saturday game – or there's a Saturday game. Uh, Sunday game, Monday game. Georgia plays on Monday night against Virginia. Uh, they're anticipating that game still going off. Um, I haven't read anything where the ACC has canceled all non-conference games. I haven't read anything where the SEC has canceled all non-conference games. I'm hoping there's a deal that can be struck at least between those two conferences to where they have unified protocols so that we can preserve some of these rivalries like Georgia, Georgia Tech, who's would be asinine if they didn't play each other because it's a, it's a short bus ride. Uh, I think Georgia Tech's coming to Athens. So it's a short bus ride from Atlanta to Athens. So why not play it? You know, why not play the Clemson, South Carolina game that that's played every year uh, since 1909? Why not play uh, Louisville versus Kentucky? I think that's the battle for the old Oaken barrel. I think, uh, anyway, that's a very important rivalry in the state of Kentucky. Um, but why not play those games? You know, you're in the same state. You're in the you know with the same governing body, uh, with the same state government. So why couldn't you play those games? Um, you know, you'd have to find some games for for other teams um, in the conference. But you know, I think you could. I think you could match up some teams. But um, that's a different story for a different day. Uh, we could we could talk about possibilities as far as that goes. Uh, we could talk about a lot of those possibilities. But uh, one possibility is a ten game schedule uh, that I saw. Um, I think that would be interesting. That would be fun. Who wouldn't want to watch 10 SEC games? Um, I know I would. Uh, but as a matter of, you know, how do you not repeat opponents? Uh, you know, how do you pick the schedule? Do you go who, 
were you going to do you go with whoever your crossover games are now and then do you go backwards do you go kind of forward the next two years and then what happens to those games you know do you reshuffle it you know how, how do you how do you proceed from here if they if they go that route it would be certainly f- some fun football to watch uh, i think georgia would pick up uh, georgia's already picking up alabama um, as one of their crossovers and then they had their permanent crossover with auburn then I think they pick. Then I think Georgia picks up LSU and Arkansas as their other two crossover games. If they were to go to that ten game model, uh, which I don't think they're going to go to, I think they're going to try to preserve the original schedule as best as they possibly can, um, with a few exceptions. But um, you know, look for the uh, Louisiana Monroe game to be to be canceled. Look for the East Tennessee State game to be canceled and or replaced um, regardless. But I think the two ACC games that Georgia plays are going to try to be maintained if, if all possible. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see kind of what they bring to the table. I'm excited to see how all this turns out. I, there's going to be a season. I'm very confident about that. Um, as of right now, uh, I think the numbers are trending in the right direction. I, I think everything's pointing towards that. And that would be awesome. I, I really think that college football needs to happen for America's sake. I think the sanity of, of the at least the southeast region would be, uh, I guess, would be preserved or saved um, if you had college football. So um, that's that. Another, Some other good news, some other evidence that we're pointing in the right direction is uh, that uh, they've entered phase two of the, the re-entry plan or the practice plan or whatever. Uh, phase two allows Georgia to transition from uh, off-season conditioning with strength staff only. Um, phase one was strength staff conditioning with, uh, they were allowed to meet with the coaches um, in the classroom. Uh, now they're able to go out on the field with the coaches. Um, and so that that's going to allow Todd Monken to now install his offense and he's going to allow to it's going to allow him and his offensive staff to watch these players go through the reps and uh, try to make decisions on the wide receiver position, the running back position. Um, you know, who's going to play behind Zamir White and James Cook? You know, what, how are these receivers going to shake out? What's going to happen to the tight end position? You know, how is Jamari Sawyer going to going to play at left tackle? They're going to get to see all of this in the context of the new offense. So um, that's exciting to see now that we're in phase two. I don't think there's any pads allowed, uh, but they are able to move around and they are able to do a few things um, more than what they were able to do uh, with just limited meeting time and conditioning and working out only. So um, my goal for this show um, is to kind of give you some of the highlights from phase two and then break down some of the other positions. Um, You know, I I think breaking down a a position group um, every so often you know, I don't know how many of these solo solo gigs I get to do um, because I, I've contacted so many people about coming on the show. Um, I haven't really had a chance to throw out my opinions on um, on everything. You know, we talked to Dan Young, who previewed the offense and previewed the defense. Um, and if you're unsure kind of how that goes, go check the archives. Go, go take a listen to those shows. Dane does a tremendous job. Uh, breaking down this team and, and just kind of giving you an overview and, and preview of, of what to expect. So um, I'm going to have Dane on some more. Uh, that wasn't his only appearance, hopefully. Um, he just had a baby too. So congrats, Dane. 
Um, but he, here's the thing everybody wants to know about. Okay, let's 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 start with observation number one. Okay, let's let's start with the initial. I guess the initial part of the quarterback battle. This is kind of the first. This is kind of the first like part of the competition for for those quarterbacks. You know, coming into the season, I think coming into the off season, uh, it was a wide known fact that people were already assuming Jamie Newman was going to be the starter. Uh, he comes in as a grad transfer in January. He enrolls. You know, it's his job to lose at this point because you know a freshman's not going to beat him out. Stetson Bennett's not going to beat him out. Uh, Dewan Mathis hadn't been cleared yet, so. Uh, we didn't know at that point if Dwan Mathis was even going to be, be allowed to play football ever again. Well, uh, fast forward to today, uh, Dwan Mathis is cleared. Carson Beck has surprised a few folks with his development. And JT Daniels transfers in from, uh, he's not a grad transfer, but he transfers in from uh, Southern Cal. He's coming off an ACL injury. Uh, he comes in, uh, he's ready to go. He gets cleared with immediate eligibility, and now things are interesting. Um now it's not a lock for Jamie Newman, which, you know, you still want you want to see that competition. I think competition breeds, um, you know, I, I think it breeds greatness. I think it breeds excellence. And, and uh, you know, everyone could stand to benefit from a little competition. But, um, you know, Jamie Newman is doing his thing. Uh, I think what Jamie brings to the table is he brings a lot of uh, poise at that position. I think he brings a lot of experience. I think experience is important starting in a uh, you know power five league starting in the ACC. Um, I think it's ex- I think his experiences um, without any sort of protection or any sort of weapons is 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 beneficial because he knows what it's like to to be throwing under duress. He knows how quickly you need to get the ball out. He knows how to play the quarterback position under duress. Now he's going to have a much better offensive line. He's going to have better weapons surrounding him. So things are going to get a little bit easier for him. Um, you know, what I like about Jamie Newman, he is accurate. He's, he's got a high football IQ. He understands the game. He understands coverages. He's a, he's a dual threat guy. He's, he'll be a force in the run game. Um, zone read stuff. If, if you go and watch his highlights and if you go and watch some of these condensed ACC games, you'll kind of see what Jamie Newman brings to the table in the run game. Um, it, it's impressive. You know, he, he's he's got a big frame. Uh, he, again, he's a good runner. Um, and he's a, he's a legitimate threat in the run game. He's not Michael Vick or he's not Lamar Jackson type threat in the run game, but he, he can go. He can be a legitimate run threat. And, and that's that's kind of something that I think Georgia's never had or Georgia hasn't had since Shockley left um, is, is a quarterback that is a threat running the ball. Um, whether, you know, and I think Shockley and Newman are, are a lot alike in the fact that um, they're not run first quarterbacks, but uh, they are legitimate threats. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, that's kind of a, a separator for Jamie Newman. You know, JT Daniels comes in highly touted coming out of high school when he signed at USC, five-star kid, uh, had some tough luck there with injuries, things like that. He came in, I think JT uh, forewent his senior year even um, to enroll at, at USC, um, if I remember correctly. Um, and, you know, he just had some tough luck, you know. And, you know, he, he got he got injured. Uh, he got unseated by a freshman, and he kind of saw the writing on the wall. So, um, he decided it was in his best nature to uh, to transfer, but he is 
He he's got a little bit of running ability as well. He he's got a strong arm. He's accurate. Uh, he can play the position, and he's going to provide a uh, he's going to provide for some stiff competition. Uh, he kind of played in a you know what I guess the the biggest factor working out well for him is he played in a, a system that was very similar to what uh, Monken runs. Uh, so he's kind of familiar with a lot of the concepts and the reads and the progressions that uh, that he's going to be asked to do here at Georgia. So I think that gives him. I don't want to say an advantage, but I think that you know I think that bodes well for him, and I think that's going to put him in a good shape in this competition. Not saying he's going to win it this year, but I, I think he's going to make some significant progress. Um, you know, also uh, for for JT, the key is going to be how how good is that knee, how reliable is that knee, and uh, is it something that you think about constantly as you're as you're playing? So. Um, but let's not count out Dewan Mathis. Dewan Mathis was an Ohio State commit at one point. And I don't think you get an offer, much less a committable offer from Ohio State, and not be any good. You know, you want to talk about a uh, legit running threat. I mean, he was tailor-made for, for that Ohio State offense. And uh, you see what Justin Fields is doing in that offense. You know, you see kind of the skill set that Dewan Mathis has. is very similar, not saying he's... Uh, comparable, but it's a very similar skill set. He's big, tall. Uh, he's not that big, but he's tall. Uh, he's fast. He's he, he's the fastest quarterback we've got. Uh, he's got a pretty good arm. He's just raw because he just hasn't played a whole lot of football since he enrolled at Georgia. Uh, he had um, he had some issues that were going to prevent him from ever playing football again. Uh, but it's a great story. Glad he's cleared. Um, but he's starting to turn some heads. And he's starting to kind of show out and kind of show what he's good at uh, and kind of show that, hey, um, let's not forget about me, guys. And, uh, you know, Carson Beck's doing the same thing. Carson Beck's like, yeah, guys, I'm a four-star. I'm a freshman. Even though I'm a freshman, I'm still impressive. Um, you know, Carson Beck has a has a strong arm. He's a good runner. I mean, they're all good, gifted runners. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think they all provide a threat in the run game, which is something that uh, in today's game, as, as this – as offenses evolve the quarterback you know part of what makes a lot of these spread offenses successful is that the quarterback uh, becomes a threat in the run game and you know Dwan Mathis certainly is a threat Jamie Newman is certainly a threat I think JT Daniels is not m- as much of a threat running um, but he does uh, he does give you some um, he does give you some credibility to the run game he, he will pull it down and run um you know, and then, uh, you know, and Carson Beck, he can run too. Um, you know, he's not, he's not any slouch in that department, but, uh, Carson Beck is just a, you know, he's a freshman and he's got to understand that he's got a raw skill set. Um, you know, he hasn't had as much experience as the guys ahead of him have had. Dewan Mathis has been, you know, playing scout team quarterback. So he's been going against, uh, the top defense in the country, uh, JT Daniels has played in the Pac-12. He, he's been a Pac-12 starter, um, and had it not been for injury, he probably still would be a Pac-12 starter at USC. Uh, and then Jamie Newman. Um, Jamie Newman has a lot of great poise, um, which I think his experiences at Wake Forest has just further developed him in that poise category. Um, he is a running threat. He is a th- he is extremely accurate and. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think um, Jamie Newman still, um, I think he still comes out as your starter, uh, at least to start the season. He's on the Maxwell watch list. Uh, so that, you know, 
that gets interesting, you know. You get put on the Maxwell watch list, and you're not even guaranteed to start. So um, that just tells you kind of how good a shape this quarterback room is. So um, it's going to be interesting as training camp goes. This is probably not going to be the last time we talk about the quarterback position. Um, Certainly it's not the first. I've asked Dane about Jamie Newman. Uh, Despite everything, he's still bullish on him. Trent Smallwood's bullish on him. Everyone I've talked to is – is very high on on Jamie Newman, and for good reason. And I think that ultimately he brings all the tools. Um, I think he's the most, um, I would say, I guess he's the most qualified. He is the the most dual threat option. I think he brings a lot more to the table than all the other guys. So um, my prediction as of right now is uh, Jamie Newman's going to be the starter. And he's gonna be he's gonna do well. And he's gonna he's gonna you know, he's on all these Heisman, Maxwell Award, you know, pro prospect high on those lists as well. You know, I think he's on all that for a reason. And uh we're he's gonna put that on display in Athens. Um, God willing that things continue to trend in the right direction and we have a season. Uh staying on the offensive side of the ball, the running back room uh gonna be very strong for Georgia. Even though they do not return a thousand yard rusher, you have Zamir White, which if you go back and watch his high school highlights, you can kind of see the potential that he has. He's a home run threat. He's talking about tough luck. He's had two two knee surgeries since he's been at Georgia. Uh really came on strong in the in the bowl game. Uh showed you that he was an every down back. He's a you know, he's a physical runner, he's an explosive runner. And hopefully he regains that even more coming into this year. James Cook is somebody that's going to be dynamic. He's going to be used all over the place. The run game, um, I could see him putting put in the slot some too as well uh, to do some screen things. And, you know, I can see some 20 personnel uh, split formation type stuff where Cook and Zamir White are in the backfield together. I mean, I can see a lot of possibilities uh, with those two, and, and they're both – um, extremely dangerous in different ways, and James Cook is is your legitimate home run threat. He's somebody that you need to get the ball to. All right, get the ball to James Cook. He he's gonna be he's gonna be electric. He's gonna be fun to watch. Hopefully, um, he continues to progress. I think last year was an anomaly for a lot of people. You know, it didn't look too good for a lot of people in offense. So, I wouldn't be quick to to use 2019 as a as an indicator of what's to come with somebody like James Cook or uh, somebody like George Pickens or Zamir White or, you know, whatever, because last year was just completely discombobulated. Um, uh, but a name that is not often mentioned, got a lot of run um, in the bowl game, looked pretty impressive, um, even in uh, relief of, you know, even in mop-up duty of some of the games earlier in the season. Um, Kenny McIntosh, um, again, somebody who is uh, – a good talent, often overlooked because of some of the names. You know, Kendall Milton coming in um, kind of overshadows him um, as well. And, you know, got a very talented running back room. So, you know, look for uh, Milton and uh, Kenny McIntosh to compete kind of for for those, uh, you know, for those third string reps. And, you know, I think Georgia is in good enough shape that they can carry three running backs and get three running backs enough work. Um, but if, if James Cook is somebody um, that can play in the slot some and can help out, you know, all over the field, you know, there is room for a Kenny McIntosh, Zamir White, James Cook lineup uh, where James Cook is in the slot. And then you have kind of like a 20 personnel or 21 personnel type 
formation to where uh, you have Zamir White and Kenny McIntosh or Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton or however you want to do it, you know, there, there's, you know, there's possibilities are endless with, with this group um, because the receiver room is not necessarily jumping out of the page at you, um, and James Cook is certainly somebody that can help. So uh, keep an eye on the running back room. It is a very, very talented room, um, but uh, nonetheless, there's going to be some interesting things happen because there's a lot of guys that do a lot of things well. So I'm excited to see the running backs. We are running back you for a reason, and I think that continues um, with this year. Uh, let's talk about the wide receivers. Uh, George Pickens. We know what George Pickens is going to do. Okay, we know that. We know what he brings to the table. He's he's going to be one of the best uh, wide receivers in this conference. Um, glad he's not draft eligible because uh, you get two more seasons out of him. Um, and and he does a lot of great things. Um, he's very, very dynamic, very electric. Uh, great. You know, he has great ball skills. Um, he's somebody that 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 plays it well in the air. He's going to, he's somebody that's going to go and make those highlight catches, those tough contested catches, uh, those catches where he knows he's going to get walloped. Uh, he's somebody that, um, no coverage is too tight. You know, he's all, he's one of those that even if you're blanking him, he's open because he's going to go up and and make the play. He's going to get the ball. He's going to go up and, and moss you. He's going to, uh, he's going to do everything he can to make the catch. And, and I think he's somebody that is going to be exciting to watch. Um, you know, what concerns me, um, Arian Smith is out. Um, he's, he's, having, uh, he's having some knee issues. So, um, you know, you don't like to see that. You know, freshman coming in, hasn't even really got a chance to perform, already out. Uh, Dominic Blaylock is expected to be ready for the season. Um, same with Kyrus Jackson. So, you, you know, the hope is that, you know, or the initial thought is those three are going to be your three wide receivers, and then that fourth guy, that fourth contributor is going to come from uh, a list of people. Uh, Matt Landers, uh, who had a lot of tough luck last year, it just seems like he was on the field for every bad thing that happened. Um, you know, Marcus Roseme, Jermaine Burton, two freshmen that are two highly touted freshmen that are to come in. Roseme is probably the uh, the star of that wide receiver group. Um, as far as the freshmen go, coming in from St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, you, you think that they're going to come in. You know, you got to think that they're going to come in uh, in some of these four receiver sets, and it really makes some noise. And and Rosemi is somebody that has a chance of even becoming the number two receiver. So uh, you don't know what's going to happen there, but uh, you got to think that uh, he's going to get some time. Uh, Tommy Bush, uh, looking for some uh, breakout stuff for him. I think he's somebody that kind of got lost in the shuffle. I think he had a tough go at it. Um, as a freshman, but he's somebody that uh, he's somebody that can come in, continue to develop, and 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 he's gonna he's gonna throw his hat in the ring because um, outside of George Pickens, it's really just kind of kind of a crapshoot, you know. It, and and this thing could could unfold a million different ways with a with a com you know with a million different combinations of guys um, opposite of uh, George Pickens. So um, you don't know what you're gonna get. And you don't know how it's going to shake out, but it's going to be exciting because you know those guys are going to have to battle. Um, you know they're all equal. They're all they're all very talented. They're all you know they can all play the position. It's just you know how are they going to be used? Um, you know how do they fit in? How you know what are they going to look like? So uh, excited about that. Okay, um, you know because it's it's a mystery. 
It, it really is a mystery, and and I, I think it's going to be, um, you know, a lot of question marks. And you know, can Matt Landers rebound? Can he be who we thought he was going to be? Can Dominique Blaylock's injury uh, is that going to you know? Can he recover from that? Can he bounce back from that? I don't know. I think he will. Uh, I think Dominic Playlock's going to surprise a few folks. I think uh, my prediction also is going to be Marcus Roseme is going to be the number three guy uh, behind Blaylock. I think I think you're going to have Roseme, uh, Pickens, and then I think Blaylock's going to play a lot in the slot. Um, and then I think uh, you're going to have you know rotation of of uh, either Trey McKitty or Darnell Washington as tight ends, uh, or you're going to have a fourth wide receiver come in there in some sets. Um, but uh, you know Trey McKitty is somebody that. Uh, watching his highlights at Florida State, I don't know if it was just bad culture there. I don't know if it's just he didn't give a crap while he was there. I, you know, you, you don't know. Um, you know, when you turn on the film, you don't know what it's like, what the culture's like. You don't know kind of what his mindset is. Uh, you just know that he's really talented, and it just didn't seem like he was reaching and tapping his full potential. Well, um, some of the observations that I've seen is Trey McKitty has come in. Um, he comes in as a more polished route runner uh, than people thought. He comes in with a rapport. Um, you know, I, it's been obvious that he's been with Jamie Newman working out this offseason. Um, those two kind of have kind of a connection, I think. Uh, those two are going to have a connection. They, they're they veteran guys uh, from the same conference, ironically. Um, but they're veteran guys coming in as grad transfers, and I, I think there's going to be something there. Uh, and I think Darnell Washington, I've said it all along, um, he plays football, looks like LeBron James. So if you want to imagine what LeBron James would would have been playing football, just watch Darnell Washington from Las Vegas. Um, the hope is Darnell doesn't get homesick coming all the way from Bishop Gorman. But, you know, what can you do? You know, but I think he brings a lot of talent. He brings, obviously, a lot of size and a lot of strength uh, to the tight end position. I think he... I think he jumps in. I think he jumps ahead of the pack um, outside, you know, outside of Trey McKitty, who brings experience, which is extremely valuable. Um, I, I think Darnell Washington becomes the next next contributor at that tight end position because I think he's just that much more talented than everyone else in that room. Uh, I think he's more talented overall if you're just looking at pure physical talent than Trey McKitty is. But Trey McKitty has experience. And, and Darnell Washington still has a lot to learn as a freshman. And some of those other guys have, uh, have experience, you know, life experiences and experiences on campus. But I think Darnell Washington's talent will, will supersede uh, a lot of guys in that room. So um, going to be an explosive offense. You know, you know, I plan to do a show breaking down uh, Todd Monken and his philosophy. Um, but I think it's going to be an explosive offense. I think it's something that finally Georgia fans – with all of this offensive talent, are looking for. Um, I think you have a guy like George Pickens. You sign three receivers, Arian Smith, Jermaine Burton, and Marcus Rosemey. They're all dynamic playmakers. You have Obviously, you have a star-studded running back room. You always have. You always will. Uh, and you have an offensive line that is just filled with, to the brim with five stars. You've got an impressive, impressive list of freshmen coming in on the offensive line. Um and you just got to think that, man, we finally, finally, finally get to have an explosive offense. And, you know, I, I look forward to seeing what Todd Monken can do with all these weapons and kind of see, I just would love to see Georgia's offense just become 
explosive and do what they're capable of doing and taking advantage of what they can do. You know, I think that the game against Texas A&M should have been a blowout, but it wasn't because the offense stalled. I think that's where Todd Monken comes in and completely dominates. You know, I, I think, you know, if that game were to happen with this year's crew, I think that A&M has run out of the building and Jimbo Fisher might even be fired. That's how bad it gets. Um, or he might have gotten fired after that game, I should say, because of how bad it would have gotten. Um, so, um, Georgia fans, get excited. If you want to get excited, go watch Oklahoma State. Go watch Southern Miss with Edo Smith. Go watch what they did. You know, he turned around an 0-12 team, turned, took him to a bowl game in year two uh, as a head coach. So, you know, he bring, you know what he brings to the table. You know what he can do. So, let's just, it's just a matter of time, and it's just, hey, let's go out and get it. Uh, let's talk about defense. Um, Devon Wilson enters the transfer portal. Uh, that was a shocking call, but, you know, I applaud Devon for you know doing what he has to do. Uh, he wanted to be closer to home. And I don't, I don't blame him for that. Uh, I don't think he has any will, ill will towards the University of Georgia. So um, I'd like to wish him well. Um, I, I think, you know, hopefully nothing after I record this, nothing comes out that uh, looks extremely bad on Devon Wilson. But I, I think there's, uh, there's no animosity there, and I don't think there should be. So I wish him the best of luck wherever he ends up, which I think, according to reports, it's looking like uh, Central Florida. Uh, that'd be a great pickup for them. I, I could definitely root for him um, at UCF. I couldn't. I can't root for him at Miami. I cannot root for him. At, I definitely can't root for him at the University of Florida. Uh, that would be sacrilegious. So, um, hopefully, he ends up at Central Florida. That way, I can root for him, and he's in a great program. So, um, I think that that's a double winner. So, what does that do? He leaves. So that opens up opportunities. I, I think it was more telling that. Uh, also, that Tyreek Stevenson was kind of pushing uh, for that star position or that nickel position. Mark Webb is somebody that's been um, active, that's been uh, improving. Uh, so I think those two kind of factor in as your as your primary guys uh, playing that role. And if you go seven defensive backs, I think both of those guys are in the lineup. Uh, I think what they do in the slot and kind of in that area of, of the field is invaluable and priceless. So uh, I, I think those guys play a factor. I think with uh, Devon Wilson now leaving, um, that opens the door for them to be full-time uh, there and to make an impact. I also think it provides opportunities for uh, incoming freshman Keeley Ringo and Jalen Kimber. I think those two will stand to benefit from the younger class and uh, they will be, you know, they'll be looked upon uh, to contribute even, uh, you know, even more so than they ever thought. You know, I think coming in, they probably thought, okay, maybe we'll get a few reps on defense because Georgia rotates a lot of people, and we're probably going to get most of our reps on special teams, and that's okay because this is a talented def- defensive backroom that's going to have heavy turnover next year. So we're going to play a lot as sophomores, which is great. And so I think it's something that uh, they're looking at as now, hey, I get some early playing time. Somebody left the room, so... Um, exciting. Keely Ringo is one of the more talented defensive backs. He's a universal fit, um, big enough, fast enough, instinctively, uh, smart enough to play the safety position. Um, would be a dream, would be a Bill Belichick dream at corner, uh, being at 6'2", uh, and an imposing uh, presence there. Uh, definitely in the slot. 
uh, at the star position. I think he's physical enough to kind of play that Jacoby Stevens role of of uh, being primary run support um, while also being able to cover the number two receiver. I think he kind of brings that talent to the to the room. Same with Jalen Kimber. I think Jalen Kimber um, is also uber talented. And, um, yeah, I don't think we get much drop-off with those guys as long as they kind of pick up the system, which uh, defensively they're not going to play if they don't pick up the system. So if they're in the game, uh, I, I trust that um, they've picked everything up and that they know what they're doing. That's, you know, they're going to make mistakes. That's obvious. But I think for the most part, you can trust that Lanning, uh, Coach Lanning, Coach Schumann, uh, and and Kirby are going to uh, prepare those guys adequately. And if they're in the game, they've prepared adequately enough or there's been significant injuries um, and they have no choice. Uh, but I'm going to go with the former on that one. Uh, let's take a look at the defensive line. Uh, I know I teased that earlier. Uh, I want to break down that position as well. Um, because I think the word that describes that outside of Jordan Davis and Malik Herring, um, that position is ultimately a mystery. And Dan Lanning's going to have to kind of figure out, Trey Scott's going to kind of have to figure out, who are my best three? You know, who's my best node? Who's my best tackle? Who's my best end? Uh, and, and how do they fit? And what can they do? Well, you can, you can go ahead and, you know, barring uh, an unhealthy disaster, which means uh, getting injured. Jordan Davis is going to be your starting nose guard. Okay, He's a big, huge presence in the center of that defense, in the cylinder of that defense that can move like a defensive end. So uh, that's something I think it, I want to say three, I want to say he's tipping the scales about 320 now, 330 maybe. He is enormous. And he moves like he's 230 pounds. So uh, that's something that's that's good to see. Uh, I think you're getting a lot out of him. I think he's going to be uh, a sleeper on this defense. Um, Malik Herring uh, is somebody that's going to make a lot of plays. Uh, I think he's somebody that's really talented. And when I talked to Ryan Roberts about Malik Herring, he told me that he was kind of one of those guys that doesn't really stand out because he just does his job and does it so solidly that he doesn't stand out. He's just always there, and you kind of just expect him to be there. And that's just kind of what makes him unspectacularly great, which sounds like an insult, but it's not because you know that he's going to be there, and he's going to do his thing. And uh, he's going to be ta- – he tosses guards aside. He, he beats blocks all the time. He's a, he's a pest in the run game. He's always in the quarter – he's always pressuring the quarterback. He's always wreaking havoc. But you just don't really see it because he's just so solid and he's always there that you just kind of expect him to be there. So it's not really, you know, of course, I mean, you're going to get excited every time anybody makes a sack. But, you know, it's just like, oh, it's Malik. Yeah, he's going to be there. It's just kind of that that whole theory of, of just knowing somebody's going to be there. It's like Richard LeCount. You know, there's a reason why Richard LeCount is not higher – uh, regarded than he is now. He's pretty highly regarded, uh, but I think he low key might be one of the might be uh, arguably the best safety um, in the country, and nobody else would probably say that because again he is unspectacularly great because he has such great instincts and such great ball skills. He's already there. You kind of expect him to. You just kind of look up and there he is. He's making the play. Um, Nothing spectacular, nothing 
out of the ordinary. He's just there. And uh, he's always in the right spot. He's always there quickly. He has great anticipation, uh, much like Malik Herring. They're just always there. Um, and you don't really get overly excited because that's what, you know, that's the expectation for, for them. That they're always going to be there. And you know it. You're like, ah, oh, it's Richard. Yeah, I know that. You know, Richard, he made a play. So uh, same with Malik Herring. Um, but outside of those guys, I, I think, you know, here's where it gets interesting. You know, you have uh, Jalen Carter, who is uh, highly regarded as a freshman uh, coming in. Uh, you know, when I talked to Jake Roos, he was very, very high on Jalen Carter uh, coming in at that, um, you know, on that defensive line. He is, uh, you know, he's had a lot of buzz, you know, again, coming in as a highly regarded freshman. Uh, Trayvon Walker, um, who actually is kind of notorious because uh, if you remember the SEC championship, he missed Joe Joe Burrow twice in the same play, uh, which is something you never want to do. But right now he's slated to back up Malik Herring. Um, and just because you're back up on, uh, doesn't mean you're not going to play because on defense you're definitely going to play. They rotate a lot of guys, and they do a lot of their rotation up front to keep those guys fresh. So you have to be, um, you know, you have to be in good shape and and – you just have to know that when you sign on to play defensive line for the University of Georgia, you're probably going to play, and, and it's probably going to you're going to play a few plays, and you're going to come out, and then you're going to go right back in. So, you know, Malik Herring, Trevon Walker, uh, kind of look looking at that defensive end spot uh, at the nose guard spot. Um, you know, you have Jordan Davis, which is pretty obvious. Um, he's the man uh, if he's healthy. Uh, but Tymon Mitchell is somebody, uh, he comes right here from my neck of the woods, uh, Franklin Road Academy here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, he figures somebody that's going to, you know, he's going to get a look. Uh, Julian Ross, Rochester is going to get a look. Devontae Wyatt, um, he might get some opportunity as well. Not uh, Nazir Stackhouse, uh, the freshman class, he's going to get some looks as well. I think that the nose guard is something that's a bit of a mystery. Um, I think that probably brings the most mystery out of this position, um, and so uh, I'm I'm, in, I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued, um, and uh, you got to look at Notoria Johnson. He comes over from the O line, so I don't know what what's that going to do. Uh, what's that going to bring? Um, also, the defensive tackle position, Devontae Wyatt, um, is somebody that's the projected starter. But you also have Julian Rochester there, uh, Zion Logue from Lebanon, uh, Tennessee, Jalen Carter. Um, he's making an impression, so you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have a lot of guys battling. Warren Brinson, uh, Cameron Kinney, are are three guys that are newcomers um, that are uh, slated to compete at that defensive tackle spot. Um, you have to think that there's going to be some shuffling that those guys are going to have to cross train um, across the defensive line. But um, you know, there's a lot of names. Um, there's going to be a lot of like guys that you're like, who who is that? I don't know who that is. And then you got to look in your program and see, okay, who the hell is Zion Logue or who the hell is Bill Morton? You know, oh, Julian Rochester, he still plays. You know, you're gonna that, that's that's what defensive line is going to be like um, outside of Malik Herring. Uh, you're gonna just kind of figure out who the hell <laughs> is who, and uh, you know that's that's the that's the exciting part and the concerning part all in one um, is that you just don't know. You have no clue and. Um, it's a very talented group. I'm not saying they're not talented. I'm just saying experience-wise, I just don't know what to expect. Um, you know, 
you expect that whoever's in there is going to make plays, obviously. Um, you know, that's kind of what you expect on a number one defense. But uh, it's just one of those things that, you know, you don't know. You have no idea. But um, that's the defensive line in a nutshell. It's going to be a mystery. It's going to be an exciting mystery, but it's going to be a mystery nonetheless. So, um, but, uh, you know, I think that's going to wrap us up here. Uh, I'm excited that Georgia's in phase two of their practice. I'm excited uh, to see how they start training camp and to see if that kind of gets off without a hitch. I'm excited that coming soon is a decision on what SEC football is going to look like. So uh, I think everybody's on pins and needles for that. So uh, be on the lookout for what they say there. Um, But uh, this concludes a very long episode of uh, the the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. Um, this is, you know, we're kind of in the dog days of summer right now where it's kind of uh, not a whole lot to talk about, especially this year in 2020. So I'm um, going to title this episode Dog Days, actually. So, um, but with that, um, I appreciate you listening. Uh, if you want to advertise, believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. Again, find us on social media at Believe in Dogs, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, check us out. Uh, leave us a rating on iTunes uh, or Apple Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you find your podcast. Leave us a rating, subscribe, follow, do all that stuff. Uh, but I appreciate you listen listening. Uh, as always, go dogs, and you better believe that. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.